Please remain standing as you are able for the reading of God's word. The text for this morning is Psalm 71, verses 1 through 8. The text will be on the screen as I read. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good morning, church. As usual, first item of business, kids are dismissed for Children's Church. And a reminder to parents, you can pick them up uh, right before or right after you take communion. Or uh, you can uh, definitely bring them in right after the sermon because we're going to do Bible presentations uh, for our kiddos uh, right after the sermon. And if you want your kids to be in the service for that, that'd be a good time uh, to get them right around the conclusion of my message. Uh, see if we get the AV under control here. We are um, in a sermon series uh, that we do every summer called Summer in the Psalms. We will be wrapping that up next week with Psalm 80. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do after that is, uh, and we typically do this in the fall, is so we'll switch to another sermon series. The sermon series we will be going to is a sermon series called Out of Context. We are going to look at, uh, over the course of nine or ten weeks, uh, several verses that are typically taken out of context in Scripture, and we're going to consider those verses in context, maybe consider how they're misunderstood, but then look at them in the larger context that they come from and get a better understanding of those verses. Uh, this was a, an idea that I casually threw out there as I was going through the book of First Corinthians. We were preaching through that book, and there's a lot of verses in First Corinthians that are taken out of context. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if we did a sermon series someday uh, on verses that are commonly taken out of context? And I got feedback from that comment that you should do that. Uh, so I do listen to you all when you give some good feedback like that. And I said, all right, let's do it. Let's do it right away in the fall. And that will be the next sermon series called Out of Context. That will begin on September 11th. Also on September 11th, uh, a reminder, especially for those that are tuning in through the live stream, that we will only be live streaming the sermon starting that Sunday, meaning the live stream will start in the ballpark between 10.15 and 10.30. Uh, so the rest of the service uh, will only be in person, and then we will only be doing the sermon as a live stream. Let's go ahead and pray and dive into Psalm 71. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this gathering of people, that you have called them here, that your spirit is at work in their lives in such a way that they want to gather here, sing praise to you, commit their lives to you, and hear your word. Lord, help us to hear it. Help us uh, to have this word through the power of your spirit be drilled down into our hearts to, to experience its power, to be reminded of its wonderful works throughout the ages. 
and help us to be encouraged, Lord, by the reality of what you've done in the past is something that you uh, continue to do in our day and to put our trust and hope in those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you do to prepare for a year? Now, sometimes that might be an odd question because it's not January 1st, but for many of us in Minnesota, we know that after summer rest comes the school year. The September 1st is often uh, some type of start of the year that's even more significant than January 1st. And for many of you, that has already started. Uh, you're already in classes or things uh, that are kind of part of your normal, normal routine have already started. Athletes have already prepared for games, whatever it is. But even if you're not there yet, this is the time of season where if you've ever been on a roller coaster, that the front of it is tipping over the very top and you know what's coming next. It's going to get fast. There's going to be a bunch of things to commit to and, and, and that your schedule is going to get a little bit more chaotic. And one of the things that I often do in August to prepare for that uh, moment and the year ahead is spending some time uh, on a, like a small personal retreat where I pray, where I think about the year ahead, especially in light of this ministry, not only uh, f uh, for me, but for us as a congregation. And then I get to discuss those things uh, with my church leaders, and we just try to get a sense what, what kind of year are we in? What does, what does this year ahead look like, and what are we going to prepare for? What kind of goals are we going to have? A couple years ago, I was, I was doing exactly that, and the location that I got to spend some time doing this at it was my parents' cabin. And if you remember last year, uh, it was just part of uh, the second year of 2020. It was, it was kind of the continuation of what was going on that we had been experiencing for quite some time. And there was so much unpredictability, too, on what was going to happen for uh, the year of 2021 to 2022. And one of the things I wanted to study during this time was I just wanted to look at stories in Scripture and psalms and prayers in Scripture that reflected on times in the life of God's people where they had seen trouble, where they had been through maybe a time and a season of war, a time of calamities, some type of trouble that God's people had faced. And now, like everything in life, when you've been in a season of suffering or trouble, they were on the other side of that. And I wanted to see if there was any kind of theme that would pop up of what happens on the other side of trouble, what happens on the other side of a season of suffering. If you've been through winter, what happens in the season of spring, right? That's kind of what I wanted to reflect on. And one of the things that I noted was often these words of restore and revive are words that are commonly used in those seasons after trouble. That is a season of reviving, a season of restoration, a season of God bringing us back up if we've been in a season of being in the depth or in the valley. But one of the things I thought of when I saw that is last year, it didn't feel like we were there yet. It wasn't, wasn't time to have a season of revive because I think many of us were still kind of like looking around and saying, what's, what's next? What's going to happen next? And we're licking our wounds and a lot of people were tired and fatigued. And so for many of you that have been around for a couple of years, last year was a season of recharge. Psalms 23 was a big uh, psalm in the, in the portion of God's word that we reflected on that said and gave this vision of God leading us to, to green pastures by still waters. It felt like that's the season that we needed is for us to just really hang out with the Lord and his presence 
and seek him in the stillness, peace, and just to recharge our souls. But now reflecting on on this year and this coming year, uh, myself and our church leaders said that this may be more of that year that revive is the theme, that we can look back on the last couple years and say, brothers and sisters, we have seen some stuff. We have been in some troubled waters. But the reality of the hope that we have and how God conducts his ways is that this is a season where God can revive something in our soul that we didn't know could be there had we not gone through the things that we have gone through the last couple years. And Psalm 71 was the psalm that I reflected on in my parents' cabin that really draws that theme out. So I want to show you that theme in this psalm and then think about how we can apply that to the year ahead. So let's look at the psalm first. Look at Psalm uh, 71, verse 3, because this is one of many examples of how the psalm goes back and forth between petitions, requests to the Lord to do something, and then they follow that up. The psalmist follows that up with expressions of trust, hope, and praise. So here's the petition, verse 3. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. This is a request for God to be a safe place, The psalmist wants to be rescued and delivered and find his refuge in the Lord. But what's going on? Verse 4 highlights a little bit of it. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. The psalmist has enemies, and the enemies have the psalmist in their grasp. You see that in that verse, that from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. The language, language here pictures something like a predator who has, has a grasp on the prey, and the psalmist is just requesting that, that God take me out of the grip of these enemies. In fact, it's so bad for the psalmist that the enemies think that God has bailed on him. Look at verses 9 through 11. The psalmist says, Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. You know you're in a tough season of life when people around you think that God has bailed on you. And that's what he, the psalmist, is experiencing. Yet, the psalmist knows better. The request for deliverance is not some sort of naive hope. It's something that's grounded in a lifetime of experiences where he's seen time and time again God's faithfulness, that he can put his hope in that faithfulness, and yet another season of trouble. In verse 9, if you caught this too, he says, Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. And this is another big theme in the psalm. The psalmist is making this request in his older years. He does not have the youthful strength that he once had. He doesn't need it because he knows that he has the Lord. And in verses 5 through 6, he says, for example, You have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. 
So the psalmist is reflecting on this lifetime of knowing and experiencing God's faithfulness. And the sovereign Lord has been the psalmist's hope since he was young. In fact, the psalmist says that he has relied on the Lord even before that, that God has been with him since birth. It wasn't just a human doctor who delivered the psalmist when he was born. He says that God is the one who brought him forth from his mother's womb. The reflection continues in verses 17 through 18. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who come, or who all are to come. Throughout his entire life, God has not been hidden to the psalmist. God is revealing himself, showing himself in very specific ways in the experiences of the psalmist. And so the psalmist says that he's a witness to the marvelous deeds of God, and God has saved the psalmist not only through the power of grace and forgiveness, but in very tangible ways when the psalmist has been experiencing trouble and suffering. And that's why the psalmist says, now that he is old and gray, Lord, continue in your faithfulness. Do not forsake me. And why does the psalmist want to experience God's deliverance again? He says, I want to be delivered again so that I can declare your power to the next generation. Have you ever said that in your prayer life when you've experienced suffering and trouble? I know it's very common when we experience seasons of suffering and trouble to pray that God would just take it away. We want the suffering to stop. We want the trouble to stop. But this prayer is not that. The psalmist knows that in this life we will have trouble. The deliverance isn't that we would have a trouble-free life. The deliverance is that yet again in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trouble, that God shows up again and shows that he has power to revive our soul in those seasons of trouble. And when we do that, we get this tangible experience that happens where God's presence shows up in a unique way that you can't experience in, in, in times of in seasons of joy and peace. You only experience it in a unique way in times of suffering and trial. And then you experience that. And when you get to experience that, then you get to tell people about it. Let me tell you about how God showed up. When I was in the valley, I saw his heights. When I was in the darkness, I saw the light of his glory. And it's not just a prayer that God would show up, but he would show up in such a way that you would have something to tell somebody, that you would be able to tell those that are younger than you, this is what God does when you suffer. He shows up and he reveals himself, and his presence is there, and you see his glory, and it gives you something to give witness about, brothers and sisters. That's his prayer, that he would have something to say to the next generation because of these seasons of trouble and suffering. It's one of those things, and I love the vision in this psalm, that you have this, this, this vision of like what types of stories do I want to tell when I am old? What types of experiences do I get to share and to pass on? What type of person am I going to be? And that's one of the beautiful things about being a part of a church is you're part of a church with different generations and different life stages. And we have saints here that have those stories. 
that can tell us about God's faithfulness. But the other thing that we know through, the, through just experiencing how people go through trials and tribulations and troubles is that it doesn't always form us for good. The bitterness of life can also make us bitter. Just because you're older doesn't mean that you have become more sanctified per se, but it's one of those realities that I think about all the time. Because I don't know, if you, I always have this picture of like, you know, I'm older, I'm on the front porch, rocking chair, Afghan on my lap, like what kind of old person am I going to be? And what's funny about that is that's not too far from the truth of what I'm like right now. But anyway, you know, I'll have, I'll have even less hair and more gray and more wrinkles in that day. What am I going to be like? And sometimes I have these experiences where I, I meet some folks that are older than me and I even think to myself, I don't want to be that. You see, you ever see the negative example? I have this example where uh, I was in this situation and my kids were playing and one of my kids got yelled at by this like stranger, just like got unloaded on, just, just this person lost her temper. And I was like, shoot, like she's my, my, my kids in tears and I'm just like, oh, I'll have to do something about this. And I'm like, gosh, I have the pastor this person, this person I don't, not even in my congregation, I don't want to deal with this. And I remember just thinking of it at that point, I'm like, man, when, when, when I'm that old, like, I don't want to be known as a person that can't control my anger. Like, if I struggle with controlling my anger now, wouldn't you want to be in a couple decades from now, the type of person through the grace of God that's been able to be formed in such a way that you're able to manage those things and become more sanctified and grow in holiness? But you might have negative examples, but then I also have so many mentors and folks that have gone before us and brothers and sisters in this congregation that, that have more years than I do, where I see in them the scars of life, but also a very vivid way that they have seen God's faithfulness over the years, and they give testimony about that. And they give my uh, uh, middle-aged heart some hope that if I continue to see these things too, that it can form me to be a person of maturity and holiness and hope that, that, that the younger generations are attracted to because they just want to hear these stories of God's faithfulness. That's how I want to grow old. That's the type of person that I want God's grace to form me to be. Not the type of person that never experiences anything tough, but experiences the tough thing so that God can show up in a unique way and we can give testimony to God's faithfulness to the next generation. Because here's the reality. If you want to experience God's faithfulness in a unique way, one of the things that will often come with a prayer like that is that you are going to experience trouble. Because you will experience God's faithfulness and glory and presence in unique ways when you experience those things when you're in the valley. Psalm, 19, or Psalm 71, 19 through 20 continues with these uh, verses. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things. Who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. The question, who is like you, God? The answer is no one. There was no one like God. He is holy. He is set apart. And the psalmist continues to reflect on a long life that has seen many troubles. He has seen so many bitter experiences, but he himself has not become bitter. And there comes that, that verse that really stuck out to me as, I, as me and the leaders have thought about the year ahead. 
You have made me see troubles, many and bitter. You will restore my life again. Or some translations, the ESV says, you will revive me again. Revive here is used in the context of the psalmist being in the depths of the earth, but God brings him back up. In other words, this psalmist has seen a lot of close calls, maybe even has encountered life-threatening situations. Many times the psalmist has been on the brink of death, and God has given him life. The psalmist has been drowning in troubled waters, but God has brought him back up. Maybe some pictures of the Old Testament exodus came to the mind of the psalmist where the psalmist remembers that God's people were freed and delivered and redeemed from slavery and brought through the waters of of the Red Sea where there were towering uh, waters on either side and they passed through the dry ground and even though those troubled waters were around them, God delivered them in that moment. And we as gospel people who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus ground our ultimate hope in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our hope that God can continue to revive because God raised Jesus from the dead. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 1.8, we see there that uh, the New Testament church is reflecting on this reality that they have seen some things and then even though they have seen trouble, they ground their hope in the reality of the resurrection. Paul writes, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. See that? They've seen it before. They've been in situations and seen trouble before and seen suffering before, but God shows up. His presence is there. His glory is shown. And now that they've faced it again, they said the power of the resurrection hasn't ceased to exist Jesus is still raised from the dead. He still lives and reigns with us. And he's going to show up again because he's done it before and he will continue to do it throughout the rest of my life. That's resurrection hope applied to a season of trouble. We can have hope in a season of reviving because Jesus Christ raised from the dead. So how can this apply to the year ahead? Because, to put it mildly, the last couple of years has been a season of trouble. We've seen some things as a church. We've been through some difficult things. And we believe now in this season that this can be a season of reviving our souls in a unique way because of what we've been through. Not in spite of what we've been through, but because of what we've been through, that God is going to do something unique in our midst. So what does a a year of focusing on a theme of revive look like for us tangibly? There's four things that we want to highlight as goals uh, goals in the year ahead that I want to briefly talk about before I conclude. What does a year of revive look like for our church? One thing we want to practice is reigniting our practices as a church. The church really is a simple thing at the end of the day. Sometimes we make it complicated, but this is the church. You gather in the name of Jesus, 
weekly, sometimes daily, regularly gather to worship him with other brothers and sisters who are pursuing Christ with you, and you're listening to his word and you're responding to that. And you have this practice where you do that on Sundays, where you do that in, in your homes with other brothers and sisters in Christ there, where you do that in your dorm rooms with classmates that you gather in the name of Jesus, you look at his word, you pray, and then you go out on his mission, and then you gather again, and, you, and you're in these practices of gathering and worshiping and then going out into all of life to continue to worship him and witness in the gospel. And one of the things I think the last couple of years have done is throw, a, throw us off our rhythms, throw us off of our practices. And this is a year, if you're looking to revive your soul, is to recommit and reignite uh, for you regular practices of showing up with God's people to worship and to study and to pray and then going out into your campuses and onto, into your neighborhoods for his mission. We want a year where we have more people participating in volunteer life, more people joining group ministries, more people uh, joining campus ministries. We want more people committed to being covenant members while they are here. We want to see a, a, a re, reigniting of our practices as a church. This year of revival also means, number two, strengthening the ministry structures we already have. We want to mature this year, grow in the things that God has called us to do, grow, passing on the gospel to the next generation, growing in our, 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 our calling of hospitality and gospel witness, and we want to be good at preparing you for whatever God is calling you into, to train more volunteers, to connect you with more mentors. I'd love to see more pastoral and congregational residents and interns here being trained for ministry. We want to strengthen some of these things that God has called us to do and lean into them and see that they are matured. Number three, we want to highlight the purposes of our ministries. One of the reality of the last couple of years is that there's a lot of new faces here, that, that COVID and some of the unrest and the political division has shook up a lot of congregations. And when that happens, you have found yourself maybe moving to a different city, getting a different job, pursuing maybe education when you weren't planning on it. And that has led you to be here in a new congregation, maybe in a new city, in a new season of life. And since you are new, there are a lot of things that are very familiar to me in terms of why we do ministry the way we do, what Jesus is calling this specific congregation to join in, and some of those things are not familiar to you. So in order to focus on reviving our mission and reviving what Jesus is calling us to as a church, we want to highlight the purposes of these ministries and have a year of just communicating about what Jesus is calling us to, what the purpose of different ministries are, what, why covenant memberships, why join a group, what's the purpose of community groups, what's the purpose of men's and women's ministry, what, why do we have these, these offices like elders, deacons, uh, there's a governance board, what do they do? Just like be able to explore these things because all of them combine to serve a purpose of joining God in the renewal of our city and world, and we want to communicate especially to you that might have, have just come here since, since on the other side of 2020 uh, to what Jesus is calling us to do. And fourth and finally, in the season of Revive, we want to engage in neighborhood ministry. Where you live and where you work and where you study, that's the mission field God has you in. And not only is a season of Revive something that benefits your soul, but there's also some people that you work with, that you go to class with, that you live by, that have been utterly beat up by the last couple years 
with no gospel hope, no friendship, no community like this that you can come together and think about these things and pray through these things and find your hope in a resurrection. And there's folks that need that. They need to hear it from your lips. They need your, the warmth of your hospitality to invite them into your life. And we want to provide a vision for that this year and opportunities to do that. We want to offer training this year of what does neighborhood ministry look like? How can you join God where you are at in his mission? How can we be an embedded church where we're at in our community? We already have some initiatives that are getting off the ground where there's leaders that are leading uh, some initi initiatives for international student ministry. There are some folks that are hosting a migrant family through the ministry of uh, Arrive. And there are initiatives, new initiatives to, to bless the college students around us. There are, there are things like this where we are now reaching out to those that are around us so that they too can be in a season of reviving as well. Let me close with this. Um, I, I love being able to, to take some time, as I, I shared this story at the very beginning, to, to think about a year ahead. And not only a year ahead, the way my mind often works, I've been like this since a very, very, very little, I think like 10 years ahead. I think decades ahead. I've been probably planning my empty nest season since I've been a teenager. That's the way my brain works. Like big picture, big vision, right? It's just like, what's that going to be like? And that's why it was so easy for me to like think about like, like man, what kind, of, what kind of person do I want to be when I'm in that rocking chair? Like I'm always going there. I've, I've, I've been talking for, for several years, probably since I've been married with my wife about like, how can we plan for empty nesters? And she's like, she's like, uh, she's like, you're in your 20s. Like, why are you thinking about this? Like, we haven't even had kids yet. You know, this was back probably in seminary days. But that's the way my brain always thought. Uh, but one of the things that it took years of experience to connect that you, it's good to think big picture. But to plan for big picture and to form yourself to be a person who is the picture, maybe the person you picture yourself to be, it happens in very uh, small seasons of life, and they start to form you. And as many of you know, um, in, right before 2020 and 2019, I had a battle with uh, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that season that I'm still in, I, I'm in remission, but I still get PET scans, that any PET scan, things can change for me. And one of the things that was difficult about that initially, many types of difficulties, but one thing that was difficult is it was hard to plan 10 years ahead now. Because back then, I didn't know if I was going to make it to 40. Uh, September 17th, I turned 40. So Lord was faithful for me to see those years. But with every PET scan, it's one of those things where something can change. And the season that I think I'm going to be in, I might be called into another season of trouble and suffering with one PET scan result away from me having kind of this big picture again to being back of just managing life one day, one month, one season at a time. The one thing that I've learned in the last couple of years of experiencing that is that has been a blessing for me. To not be so big pictured that I forget that it's actually looking at what you're facing right now in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead that actually form you to be that person that you hope to be in those decades ahead. And this season, brothers and sisters, doesn't have to just look back on it and say, those were wasted years, I'm glad they're over. But how were they unique years that prepared you 
for a season to have something in your soul revived that wouldn't be there unless God led you through that valley so that now you can experience the heights of his glory in a way that's unique to what you experienced. So brothers and sisters, that's this year. And may the Lord lead us into this season of revive. Well, one of the things we're going to do for the